Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Mm. So, let's, let's begin with what probably sounds like we're in a toilet. Um, <laughs> we're not. <laughs> the, the way this is working at the moment is <clears throat> the iPhone is taking audio from the built-in mic directly whilst attached to a lamp pole. This is so okay. This <laughs> is <laughs> yep. so messy. Because normally I would have my tripod and I would have the, uh, the little boom mic. Yeah, little, why don't you have those? Oh, cheers. I would have the little Rode boom mic and things that sound okay for a, for a remote rig. The reason I don't have those is uh, I was in Stockholm, when was it, a few days ago. Yeah. Stockholm on Tuesday, so we're recording this Saturday afternoon. I was in Stockholm uh, for a few days there uh, and I got food poisoning, which was, which was really, like, I mean, it's, it's never pleasant, right? But this was really, really unpleasant food poisoning. So we went out for dinner one night and had... Um, when I say we, it was just Charlotte and the kids and I. You, you went there. We'll get to where we yeah. are, right? Yeah, yeah. And had, it was like a creamy pasta with truffle and parmesan. And like, it was really nice. It was rich. super, super that sounds rich. Though, yeah. And lots of mushrooms. And the next day, we won't go into the details. <laughs> Troy was not with us. <laughs> uh, no, so I had a day in bed. Uh, it, it was either in the bed or one other room of the house, <laughs> one other room of the apartment. That was where I spent my entire day. It was not pleasant at all. Fortunately, like it's it's food poisoning. It's, it's one day. It's unpleasant, and you get over it and move on. But the next day, fortunately, not the day I was sick. We were, we were travelling to back to Norway, but the day after. But we just got to the point. I was like, Charlotte, can you just like pack my bags? And we had to leave a couple of bags at the airport, in Norway, because we didn't have enough room in the car to come out here. Uh, and anyway, because I didn't pack my bags, it's entirely my fault. I didn't pack the tripod and I didn't pack the mic and anyway, here, so we, here are. we are. with hair bubbles and a lump post to hold up the phone. I'll take a it, photo of it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, so, it's super ghetto. It's so ghetto. In fairness, like the tripod, I think we have sufficiently replicated. It's not moving, it's position. It's a monopod. <laughs> the phone is tied to the tripod with two hairbands. Not even from the same person either. One of these is L's and one of these is... Uh, well, there's the Charlotte's. It's Mike. <laughs> G'day, Mike. <laughs> yeah, cosy. It's nice. We'll get to where we are in a moment. Uh, let me do the sponsor thing first, and then we'll talk more about where we are, and then I'll do for a bunch of cyber things, a bunch you don't know about as well. And I, okay. I quizzed you this morning if you knew some of this. Yeah, so I, I wondered some... why you were asking me what was on the news today. Yeah, I want to know what you don't <laughs> know so that I can ask you live. Uh, sponsor this week is Collide again, one of my uh, most prevalent sponsors this year. Collide <clears> believes <throat> that maintaining endpoint security doesn't mean compromising employee privacy. Check out our manifesto, Honest Security, which is maybe more honest security, really. Yeah. We have made many, many comments, comments, commentary about uh, mm. dishonest security in the past. So uh, go and check Clyde out because That's they have... That's well, does it? Uh, it usually, usually catches up with you sooner or later. Uh, one of us writes a blog post or something like that. So their honest security is a guide to endpoint security and device management that doesn't erode your values. Uh, oh, I do have values. I don't want to talk about the values thing today. Nothing to do with Clyde, but uh, yeah, just reiterating the importance. I'll tell you about it later on. Okay. It's, it's the laptop thing. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you about the laptop thing. Uh, I think there'll be a blog post coming about that in the near future. So anyway, go and check out Clyde. Massive thanks to them for being a massive sponsor this year. All right. So moving on. Do you want to talk about where we are? Yes, so we're in Norway again. I think we've done we've done at least one or two updates from Norway, right? So half year last Over year. Years. Yeah, so we're in Hemsedal. I wasn't right last now. year. I wasn't anywhere outside Australia last year. Oh no, of course. Oh my gosh, when was it? Uh, I said last year. That's like pre-COVID. Like you just erase the COVID part. <laughs> half year. That must have been January 2020. So it's almost wow. three years ago. Yeah, it feels like last year. 
<laughs> I know we did some. I don't know. We did one from NDC Security. I think we did one with um, with Ari as well uh, at NDC Security in. Um, Was that nineteen then? No, I think it was 20. Was that when we had all the pictures outside on the snowy dock by the boats? I can't remember. Because they made a video, it's in like the NDC video, I seem to recall. It all becomes a blur. Yeah. This is pre-code, it becomes a blur, let alone get into COVID. Anyway, yes, hems it all, yes. And we've, oh, I am absolutely baked. Like, it is so cold outside. <laughs> we've been snowboarding. Now, just to be clear, because that term means a different thing in Australia. So Does it? Yeah. I'm really tired? What, is, be, uh, uh, what does that mean in... Oh, like, <laughs> okay, okay, uh, okay, I'm really Scott, tired. Scott is not for, baked. For the Australian audience, we are not getting high in Norway. Uh, I am, like, really tired, man. Like, just great fun, physical, like, all day and cold. It's my, It was minus 19 on the little temperature sensor by the lift today. Oh, was it? Really? It was one of them Jeez. was, like, near the top was minus 19 centigrade. So, yeah, it really takes it out of you. As a... Uh as pretty and picturesque and everything as, as it is here, and I've been sharing some photos as of you on the social things, so go and check it out. It's it's really, really beautiful. But I'm I'm starting to get jack of changing cold weather gear. I, I think my, my tipping point today... Everything's cold weather gear for it's, it's Well... <laughs> even in here, you might jump But even you came here and you went, well, yeah, this is cold. This is cold. Even you even from Manchester. My, my tipping point today was, you know, there's so many layers and things on... Um, and you've got to put everything on in the right order because the right things have got to go with the right things. I'm and, trying to teach my kid this. And we get up to one of the plumbers to, to get on there and get tied up the mountain, and I realised I hadn't done up the uh, hadn't done up my snowboard boots because they they oh. they use boa. Have you got boas on your no. boots? Boas are great because they're just little dials. Like you have one that does the top section and the bottom section. Mine are like the ratchets. And you can you can just pop them off. So when you come in and you want to, you know, give your feet a rest, you just pull them out and they just release all the tension, which is really really easy. And they're really really easy to do up. So long as you don't have your hands in your gloves and you don't oh, have your powder You've cover. got like those honking big mittens which you yeah, can't move anything I know, through. I know. So anyway, it's like I'm stripping down in the minus 19 at the bottom. I'm trying to get that right. But I think it's just starting to, to be a combination of, uh, you know, where I don't even know how many weeks I'm into this trip now. More it must be a while because we saw yeah. you like... Well, you like saw us two, two We did this ago? two weeks ago in, yeah, yeah. in Copenhagen. So, yeah, more than three weeks in, and we've been, Charlotte and the kids and I have been in uh, Norway and then in Denmark with you and then in Helsinki and then in Lapland and then in Stockholm and now here, and everywhere has been cold to one degree or another, and I'm just getting so jacked putting stuff in and out. <laughs> My arms are almost the same colour now as... Like, let's the, say just... Under the, your watch. <laughs> yeah. I was going to go with under your watch, but... The parts where they don't get <laughs> sunshine, such as under my watch. Uh, so... Uh, we, uh, we again, being my family, uh, are off to Singapore in three days. So as much as we're loving it here, we are all starting to say, I'm really looking forward to being in a nice hotel in a hot place. I'm going to have Christmas in Singapore. I'm going to do this from Singapore in a week from now. I'll have my tripod and my microphone back as well. And I, I think everything's just, it's just starting to get to the point where the little things are starting to bug us. Like some of the little things in this cabin, which we are. Well, yeah. It's uh, kind of strange though, right? It's like the most amazing cabin but then they seem to have overlooked really obvious things in the design. And like, cause we've just had our house renovated. So I, I have a weird eye for this kind of stuff now. Yep. And it's just like, why, you know, like we've just been chopping, I was just doing the tea, the tea dinner, whatever other people call it, prep. And there's like a, a pedestal in the middle, like an island, but there are no lights above it. So oh, really? it's dark. And I was like, I can't see. So you know how I was telling you that if you have a look at the skirting, there's all sorts of really, really weird oh, stuff. Oh yeah. Oh uh, wow, look at that. Yeah, okay. So that's, 
Basically, oh, at, no. at one end it joins the floorboards, at the other end I'd say a small mouse. Yeah. <laughs> An animal could escape. You want to see a really fun one? I want a live reaction. Open that door just there and look just around the corner on the floor at the angles. I mean, these are like real first world problems here, aren't they? Your skirting zone. What? No, no, to, to this side. See this saw frame just here? Look at the bottom. What? <laughs> like, oh, come on. Like, I'm not a carpenter. And I could do that. I would say that something that should be a right angle is closer to a 45 that's, degree that's angle. That's almost, it's got to be 45. <laughs> almost. <laughs> it almost and it's, it's just really weird stuff like that. And then um, Charlotte, because she's Scandinavian and I think probably recognises these things, she's sort of saying, you know, basically like everything in here is Ikea. Which, you know, you kind of don't is have a though? problem with in a way. Ah, she said apparently a lot of it is. I, can't, I didn't really get an Ikea. Yeah, no, she was like the ovens and things are Ikea. Oh, okay. Right. Uh... And I don't think it's that you necessarily have a big issue about IKEA, but when you go to a really nice place and you put it this way, the advertisement, would you ever say fully furnished? No, yeah. Like, yeah, there's no, it was definitely <laughs> sold like this. You tried, you, they there's definitely something sold a bit more. I wonder if the dual, uh, like, dual duvets are, is that, is that from like, this is such a funny thing that we had to Google. I've been meaning to tweet this uh, and just, just ask because I, I still don't have a good answer. But I've found that. So often when I come to Scandinavia, I mean, we've both been to a lot of different places. Like always. Life, and I'd never really thought of it until you kind of pointed it out. I mean, let's just get to the point of it. You, you get, you, you have a double bed and rather than having one duvet, doona, cook, cover, whatever you want to call it, one that covers the whole thing, you have two single ones. <laughs> That's so small. It's like, and they feel really, really small. <laughs> and it, it drives me nuts for several reasons. Uh, one of them is, is that mine, for some reason, always seems to slip, like at the moment I'm on the right side of the bed, always seems to start slipping off the right side. And I feel like it's not balanced, you know? <laughs> like if Charlotte's was slipping <laughs> off her side and mine was slipping off my side, it would even things up. Oh, so we end up with like yeah. a, a, an increasingly large triangle. <laughs> And these are just you two, like, move, you both just have to, like, move apart progressively to stay warm in the night. Which is really weird. And then if, if you sort Does of roll over know? and try to put your arm on, on your partner, I feel like I'm, I'm navigating through multiple layers of, of doona. I know this sounds it's, it's it's just, so first word, I, but, I, but this is what I love about travelling, right? Like, you go to different places. I don't love this about travelling. <laughs> and I, I, I always kind of, like, look at stuff and think, wow, that's different to where we do it. Like, I wonder why. This is a really, you know, it's just a cool thing where... You go somewhere else and they do it different and it seems really odd to you, but it's but, totally normal. To and them. it is very Scandinavian too, because it's not just Norway, it's, it's Sweden. It was yeah, definitely the sure. same in, in Finland. Uh, Denmark, and Denmark, Denmark. In our well. hotel, we had two duvets. And it's not everywhere, but I, I'd say it's two-thirds to 80% of the time. Yeah. If you're in like a hotel or an Airbnb or anything like this, it's yeah. always two duvets. So I, I Googled it today because I was sitting there going, well, there must be a reason for it. <clears throat> and there are a bunch of reasons, none of which were very good, <laughs> particularly yeah, for a like, hotel. Yeah. Because the reasons were things like, uh, what if one knows. partner wants to have a warmer duvet than the other partner? Now, if this was in your home, you could go, okay, well, that would kind of make sense because yeah. you can get two duvets. But you go to a hotel, it's not like you and have they're two. They're both the same. They're both exactly the same. And then it was, <laughs> one of them was like, well, what if one person wants to get up in the middle of the night and sleep on the couch? So, well, you have marital problems. That's a different <laughs> yeah. issue. You don't need a duvet to fix that. <laughs> you need a counsellor. But maybe we do issue. like a... Um, so maybe there's a business for like a double duvet with like a zipper for the thing in the middle. So like you yeah, could so then you feel the zip. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's nasty. Anyway, it's, uh, and maybe again, it's just the the longness of this travel, which is starting to bug me. But I'm I'm just looking duvets and all that. Just highway. really looking forward to that nice Singapore hotel with one duvet, <laughs> and I walk outside and it's thirty degrees. <laughs> I'm call them and, and be like, hey, could you uh, give me a request? 
It's here in the comments. Brennan's got a song stuck in his head. It's about a quarter, three in the morning. Uh, okay, because I think Brennan's in Australia, so yeah, that would be a bad time for him. Uh, Christian says, any snowboarding accidents <clears throat> yet, Scott? Nope. <laughs> yes. Nope. <laughs> it was fun. Damn it. Particularly as my kids, <laughs> my kids are, are going pretty strong on the skis now, so they, they go pretty much everywhere. Well, they, they don't go some of the places you go. Because well, no, because well, they're trees. Was a setup. So anyway, Scott's crashed into yet another tree. <laughs> well, mm. and Elle's there at the camera, so she's pulled out her phone and she's just like videoing. She's like, Scott's Didn't, like tree. crash into the tree. I, I like you slid into it. Yeah, so we were going down this piece, and they had a snowblower on, and there was just this huge mound of snow, like right in the middle of the piece. And Charlotte either saw it or didn't. She claims that she didn't, and she's like, oh, "I'm just going to take a break. You go ahead." So I tried to go like over the, the mound and it's really steep sided. And I just, I lost my edge on the mound, slid down the mound off the side of the piece. And then was just like full off piste into a tree. <laughs> so yeah, there is a video of me in another Norwegian tree. I was like, God damn it. Like this, it's like stupid tree. <laughs> now Noel Merrigan's here. He, he says, <laughs> good mate Noel. He says two duvets so you don't have to fight. They don't sell larger sizes. Why are you fighting? No. Yeah. What's, yeah, no. uh, what's, what's going on at home? Tell Niles, us later. Niles a duvet hogger. Of course. Uh, um, Steve says, bonjour from COVID County, France. Is well, is that, a, is that a big problem there at the moment? We haven't really given that much thought. You know, I knew messages today because you um, you had your, your son checked out because he had a bit of a fever. Yeah. And you messaged us and the first word in your message was COVID. <laughs> and both Charlotte and I got that and we went, oh. And it was like, COVID check was fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you, tested for like everything. Next time, just say everything is fine yeah. except for. Yeah. I was like, COVID test, okay. Strep A is a thing now. Like, I didn't even know that was really. I'm, apparently, that's a big deal right now. I know the term, but I don't really know much more about yeah, it. Yeah, don't know what it is. Anyway, he doesn't have any of those things, which is good. That was good. All right, let me uh, let me get on to some more dedicated cyber things because I want to get your opinions on a couple of these things because they're relevant to you. Oh. Okay. Mm. So, first of all, uh, I. <laughs> I tweeted earlier this week and it, it did get some traction and it was about cookies, cookie warnings. Oh, man. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just like read the tweet. This was one that was surprisingly popular, which probably shouldn't have been a surprise because every time I've messaged or, or written about cookie warnings, uh, there is a large amount of engagement. Now, this might be less evident to you given where you spend most of your time than me where I spend most of my time, but... It's very, very evident to me every time I come back to Europe how intrusive the cookie warnings are. Now, it's not just a browser thing. It is, well, okay, it, it is a browser thing, but it's not just a Chrome, let's say my iOS yeah, device. No, sure. It is, I'm in Facebook or Twitter and I click a link and I've got a wall of text uh, and then the accept all button is really, really clear and then the... and then the. <laughs> yeah, and then there's a tiny little one. But it doesn't say, like, reject or anything. It's usually, like, options or things yeah. like this. It's, it is absolutely... It's literally as hard as possible to do the right thing for you. It's as easy as possible to do right so, thing. So here, here's what I wrote. Now, when was this? This was a few days ago. Uh, where were we? The 12th or 12th. What's today? Oh, let's try 17th, five days ago. So uh, now here's the image, right? So I can't remember which website this was. But uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff here. We use cookies to make the website better, blah, 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 blah. Allow all, which is the clearly highlighted one, and then customise, interestingly, with a Z, although we're here in Europe. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Oof. 
And it's just it's just nasty because this is between me and, and usually, especially when you're clicking a link from social media, it's not that you're going to invest a bunch of time in this website. It's like, I saw someone tweet about a cat doing something interesting. Yeah. I want to go and read just about the cat and then I want to leave. So I tweeted and I said, every time I come back to Europe, I'm reminded of the absolute batshit insanity that cookie warnings are. Idiotic, poorly thought out, user experience killing, compliance garbage that... I was very honest. <laughs> compliance garbage that can't possibly do anything to improve privacy in any meaningful way whatsoever. Yeah, I agree with Now, that, that had, uh, at the moment, 1,212 likes. Uh, and then I went on and I, I linked. I did actually write about this some years ago. I said, these cookie warning shenanigans have got to stop. That post was really, really popular. And I went on and said, look, you know, there's things like miunique.org, which is a really good example of fingerprinting based on other browser characteristics, yeah. which show you don't need cookies to track people. Uh, and what else did I put in? Just multiple examples. Oh, F1's terrible. Have you seen the F1 one? Oh, yeah. Like, okay, so I, I embedded this video. You can go through <laughs> There are customize. so many cookie warnings we needed a video. These are the required cookies that are active. Now, I'm scrolling <clears throat> through a very, very, very long list where you can go through and configure these things. Nice. But like F1 is just the marketing machine of all marketing machines, isn't it? So it's, it's yeah, like but cookie I, overload. I wanted to read about... Latifi crashing or something like that, <laughs> again. right? So I, I, uh, and again, this is a very sort of point-in-time thing where all I want to do is I just want to read one little thing and then get on with my life. Now, the, the responses were interesting. <laughs> so, is that like opposition to your view, really? Oh, uh, well, no, 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 not quite. This is what I'm going to get to okay. in a moment. Uh, and I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus by name, but I'll give you some examples later on <laughs> when, we're, when we're off camera. Uh, but there are a few different responses, some of which were, were well-intentioned but impractical and others which I, I think were really kind of missing the point. But one of the responses was consistently, this is why you should use uBlock or AdGuard or something like this. Now, before I give my opinion, what do you, what do you feel about that? So I, I, had, a, <laughs> I had a very vigorous um, customer complaint at Report URI recently because somebody was trying to like test CSP and reporting and they had uBlock installed and they totally screw up all CSP, CSP reporting things. And they were like, oh yes, but like most of the people in the world use uBlock. And I was like, I so I went and looked at like the uBlock install number, which is like three point something million. Yeah. And then I looked at like the total Chrome installations number, yeah. which is like half a billion. And yeah. I'm like, eh. yeah. you know, it's like, it's such a minute number of the population that that's not and for CSP ever going to be that big. You don't have to get absolutely everyone anyway. For sure, yeah, and that was kind of why I'm not too bothered about it. But it, the the point is like, it's such a, a minute fraction of the population that use these things, and that probably could use them with the, the requisite understanding of, of like what they do and how they do it and what the implications yeah. are. So it's just a, a bad suggestion. I, I guess that. Well, I, I mean, I understand that. This is almost sort of the inverse, where people are saying to me, "If you don't like it, run uBlock." Now, how do you run that in the Twitter app? Yeah, because it goes in the native browser. Because right? this is the thing; like, it goes into the into the native browser. But my issue is, is that you know, and I'm sure there'll be something in I'll here. Just carry a Raspberry Pi and Pi hole with you everywhere. He <laughs> <laughs> just gets that into that the rabbit hole. That doesn't like. fix it either, because <laughs> that can't make changes to the DOM, and things like Google are making changes to the DOM to remove these. So you know that that was a well-meaning suggestion. But not only does it not fix the problem in any meaningful way, it's you now delegate control over a huge amount of your browsing experience yeah. to a third party. And I think you and I have both had experiences with, with that. Yeah. Naming names. Yep, yep, we no have names. both had very <laughs> negative experiences with uh, with people responsible for running some of these uh, blockers and things. To, to the point where I just think that some of them are just batshit insane. Yeah. Um, anyway, the pendulum swings too far the other way. Yeah, and. 
I, th I think we're normally of the view that, that when there are debates either way, you know, like ads and target and tracking everything to the fullest extent or block everything and burn everything with fire, usually both extreme ends are wrong. And the, the yeah. truth, and we'll come back to that theme because we're going to talk about Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Usually the truth is somewhere in the middle and certainly the, <clears throat> the approach that's being taken with many of these uh, ad blockers is, is very detrimental in, in, in yeah. a holistic fashion. So anyway, none of that works. Now... Yeah, they're otherwise good suggestions. The thing that surprised me the most, and you're not going to believe this, but there are some angry people on Twitter. The thing that surprised, the that surprised me the most is several people got very vehemently upset with me because they're saying this is not the law, the law is fine, this is the interpretation of the law, and what they're doing, they're saying the case okay. of one, is illegal. Now, you used to be European, so I think that you have a... Until <laughs> yeah, you, Brexit. We've well, got freedom now, boy. <laughs> until you voted <laughs> yeah. not to be European. Um, <laughs> so maybe you've got a better opinion of this Some of me. us did. <laughs> That's a democracy, man. It sucks, but here you are. So is this just an interpretation of the law problem? It could be. And I've seen other examples of that when you try to go to an American website from here... And then, like, oh, you're in the EU and we can't possibly show you our website because, like, you know, we would be yep. breaking the law. And it's like, that, it's just, that's not, A, what it was intended to do or, or B, what it says. So it's like uh, some legal team somewhere has gone super overdrive and, and really just, you know, but the, the, <laughs> gone the wrong way. If there was one website doing this and we could go, look, Basically, everyone gets it right, except let's say it was F1. Except F1 consistently screws it up. They have misinterpreted it. They need better lawyers or compliance officers or privacy officers or whatever it may be. And we could say it's them. But it is so consistently just like this. And in case you're wondering, and I don't know if you noticed this when you were in Australia recently for the wedding, but it is a very different experience. Oh, for sure. links like on 100%. social media in Australia 100%. than what it is here. Or when you're in the America, US. Yeah, America is the same. So it, it is a fundamentally different experience. Now, the, the, the bit that kind of got me, and I found myself arguing with with, uh, with several people in particular where they're constantly like, Troy, this is not right. You know, you in your position with all of these followers should be getting this right. So I don't care. Like, my, my issue is not whether it's the law, whether it's not the law, who's compliancing this or not compliancing that. The point is, is that the experience is absolutely woeful. Yeah. All you're doing is forcing people to click through something that they don't understand. Between the lawyers and the regulation, the like, yeah. you guys all go away and figure it out. It's the experience that sucks, and that was the entire observation here. Yeah, I got to the sure. point where I just ended, ended up muting people because all they wanted to do was just argue and argue and argue and argue about I should be referring to the definition of the law. And I'll tell you what, there's enough people who argue what the law actually says about it as well. <laughs> so, so, okay, you're convinced you're right. Yeah, fantastic. This person over here thinks it's completely different. All I know is I keep clicking links in Twitter and it's a pain in the ass. And um, they've said, and I don't know if it's any other kind of like nations now, but in the UK, they basically said, look, like we have so many other privacy things to deal with. We're never going to prosecute anyone for getting this wrong. So, so essentially just like ignore it, which is insane. So here's a good question. Uh, in, in the comments either here now or later on, put on the blog post, has anyone been prosecuted for doing cookie warnings wrong? <laughs> I'm really interested because if there is no recourse for it, you know, then when's anything going to change? Yellow, yeah. I can't. For me, it's the... It's the harm to people, like you said, people clicking through things they don't understand. Yeah. Like we've we've done that in several different areas in the past, and the long term damage is is far worse than the thing in the moment yeah. that they clicked. Yeah. So yeah, disregarding nah, security warnings and not reading them, or or any warning, which it kind of is, security slash privacy warning, is a really bad idea. 
And, to, you know, to my point about not improving privacy in any meaningful way, I mean, we, we, <clears throat> we're probably better than just about anyone else. I understand how this tracking works across different services and the power of having effectively everlasting cookies from social media companies and Google and everything else. That's, that's not the issue. The, the point is that there are so many other ways to do tracking if people but want wait, to do though, tracking. So Chrome, like, I can't remember if Chrome is instable, but they're doing, like, the no third-party cookie mm. thing anymore. So they're, they're essentially forcing kind of, like, same-site lacks on all cookies. So, like, your cross-origin request wouldn't be authenticated anyway. Wouldn't I wonder if, I wonder if they just, like, same-site non the all of the cross... Anyway, that's, that's yeah. not really the point. Hopefully that's... we can kill it with technology. <laughs> and then no more cookie warnings. Nick007 says, uh, completely agree. Troy, I moved to London from Oz and it drives me insane with the cookie pop-ups. Correct direction to me. Oh, man, so many things that drive you insane about moving to London, having done that before. <laughs> uh, and cookie warnings... Cookie warnings are up there. A lot of the weather and everything just else. A, we need to just scrap it as a bad idea and just say, yeah, this didn't uh, have the desired effect. Noel says the cookie warnings aren't poorly thought out. It's exactly what they want, to pummel you into submission to accept everything. Oh, in terms of the UX of customising, for sure, I agree. Well, so like the F1 one is designed to just kill you with boredom and then you're like, okay, accept all. Yeah. I think that's the goal. Of all, you know, these but, super but then, complex and, and, this, this, and I'll show you some of these messages later because they're kind of nutty. But th this is what the the ardent proponents on the other side are sort of saying. It's like, well, the, the law says you can't do this. So, well, apparently you can. So, <laughs> show me other people in prison. Uh, now, Mike's excited about Elon Musk. We'll talk about him in a moment. Uh, no, as a former European, the cookie law does suck. It's just too technocratic, which is fair. Noel's back. He says, I guess based on the huge threat of fines and the usual legal Fifty Shades of Grey and IT's binary view of things, there are some guidelines for UX and then uh, IT had to do it. Christian says, I wonder if you can install some extension in Chrome that have all of these deny cookies pre-installed. Well, again... Back to it, the U-block thing, right? Like, yeah. And then you're giving very privileged access to something else that you have to trust. Uh, and it's really, it's, it's not solving the underlying issue. I, look, I, I think the sentiment is is very good in terms of tracking and privacy, but if, if you but can't... But that's why I use Piehole, because I agree with the sentiment. Yeah. But I don't agree with the privileged access in the browser. Yeah, exactly. I guess the, where I was going with this is that I, I agree with the sentiment, but the execution is very <clears> poor. And this is not like this has got introduced last year and it's it's teething phases. Like this has been years and years and years, particularly since GDPR hit. Geez, when was that? Was it 2018 or 2017? Ah, so long ago that we started like, multiple years. <coughs> uh, and obviously a lot of this, I mean, it existed before then, the cookie shenanigans as well, but a yeah. lot of this uh, amplified then. So there's been enough time to get it right. Now... I would argue that people have got a bit angry with me. If these services are breaking the law, then start making complaints and get something done about it. You know, if, if you think the law is right and the execution is wrong, we'll do something meaningful about Someone's it. Someone's got to test it, haven't they? Uh, and also, I've seen so much FUD when devs have to interpret legal. Well, that's always been a problem. Yeah, like, good, that one. <laughs> that's not just a cookie problem. <laughs> Rob and they have accidentally created a Skinner box to train the public to just click on the button that says OK as quickly as possible to make the mess go away. And this is really our big yep. issue. <laughs> Speaking of big issues, <laughs> let's go on to Elon. Now, I asked you this morning, and I hope you haven't cheated since then. No. Said, no. Have you been reading Elon's tweets lately? No. Okay. <laughs> get comfortable. <laughs> Try not to. Now, actually, before we get on to Elon oh, and his tweets, um, you and I have both had a discussion many times offline 
about yeah, yeah, we, we both have Mastodon accounts. You've got one on InfoSec Exchange. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've got that. We've got the stake in the ground. I post a little bit of stuff there. Uh, there are a bunch of InfoSec people there. They are a very, very small portion of the online community. So, you know, there's some things that are good for there. Everything else is, is still on Twitter. Uh, I don't think either of us have got any intention to abandon Twitter or not use Twitter as much as we are. No, I mean, um, I think it just, if anything, it just kind of expands to include Mastodon is my current... Thought process. Yeah, it's just another platform to use. Now, I have people getting very angry with me for saying this, but in my experience, uh, Twitter really hasn't changed for me. It's like everything still yeah. works. My tweets still loads. Uh, I, I do think there's actually been a bit less spam that I have seen, and I tested this the other day because I just tweeted like uh, Coinbase. <laughs> you oh, know, man, crypto. that's like a disaster waiting to happen. <laughs> well, I, I did get some spam, but it was like two or three tweets, and I would normally get dozens and dozens. Now, I did this after Elon <clears throat> tweeted, uh, and he's, he's basically like, come at me, bots, <laughs> kind of thing, <laughs> because he thinks he's, you know, when we say he, we, he thinks Twitter has made a, a positive step forward. But we have said multiple times, we're, we're trying to understand what, I don't think it's too strong a word, say so hysteria, what the hysteria yeah. about leaving Twitter is. But also maybe, like, I've not seen any kind of functional issues. You know, I've seen lots of people that I know and follow that are like, oh, it, like, you know, some period of time retweets are broken for a bit or DMs weren't working and things. And maybe I just don't use it that frequently and these issues kind of come and go. But I've not really seen anything not work as I would normally use it. And also I don't see anything different. Like, I'm pretty sure my newsfeed's the same. I, yeah. I've not noticed anything uh, fundamental. So the, the commentary that I've heard is is some people, particularly people who are in communities that, that feel especially targeted online, they say, look, the, the abuse that, that they have seen is now greater. Now, you and I can't speak to that because I don't think we occupy any of those communities and that, that may well be their experience. And that's, that's terrible if that's the case. Uh, we can only sort of say your mileage may vary. <laughs> this is my truth. Sure, yeah. The only thing I've actually seen broken and to be clear, like we've seen things break on Twitter you know, for years and years and years. Yep, the fail well. Everyone knows the fail well. Yeah, well, geez, early days, fail well. Uh, the other thing that I've seen broken is I tried to update my pinned tweet the other day and it was like broken, broken, worked. Um, you didn't put a <laughs> so, Mastodon link in there, did you? Nah. <laughs> well, I do have a Mastodon link in my, uh, in my bio now. Anyway, so one of the things that, that's been on, on the cards for, uh, for Elon or certainly been raised multiple times is you know how that, that guy set up the account to track his jet? Elon Jet, yes. Oh, this was in the news, like in a you know in the news feed on my iPhone. I'm going to hide this from you so you don't oh. actually see the actors. But uh, it, was, it was sort of contentious in that he said early on that freedom of speech, et cetera, was so important that he would, he would even not block the person tracking his jet, you know, or he would not, you know, kick the person <laughs> okay. off, et cetera. So anyway, he kicked the person off. Uh, so this was just the other day. Um, <clears throat> got rid of the person, and uh, obviously Twitter reacted to that, <laughs> and a lot of people. And th this sort of sparked another whole debate around: is tweeting someone's live location doxing? So yeah, is it doxing him that his jet is being tweeted? Well, that sounds a bit strange, but. Yeah, but you don't know he's in the jet, right? Uh, no, you don't. But you know, fair assumption. It's just his jet, I assume. He's the second yeah. richest man in the world now. Second richest yeah, man yeah, in the world. has his own jet. I don't think he like leases it out to earn some extra cash. <clears throat> but could be going for repairs. Just more broadly, because I saw a headline. I think it was like a BBC headline or something. 
it reads like, you know, if you took a picture of me on the slope earlier and tweeted it, that would be doxing me because it's my live location at that point. Like, do you and, need to ask my permission first? And I showed you a tweet from someone today. We won't mention the name, but, <clears throat> but someone, uh, and I won't even mention which one they quote Twitter, but they basically shared something that Elon had shared and, and made a very disparaging comment about saying that this is doxing people because he took a photo of them. Yes. And yeah. I, I just I just question whether that actually makes sense because you're right. It's like if I dox, well, if I dox you, if I take a photo of you, it's not just that though. I mean, uh, maybe it's different because we're mates. Uh, but you would imagine in, in most cases it's like you. But what about all the people behind us in the selfie? Yeah, but you know? unless you're actually naming them or you can recognise them. Anyway, it's like it's it's super super grey. Now, is it doxing him between his jet? He'd sort of made the point that it's a risk to his personal security, and I'm sure that that people who are extraordinarily wealthy and have security details and everything, part of it is trying to keep their movements private and and not publicly accessible. Yeah, there, there is an irony in that when you're then sort of sharing information about other people and their movements. <clears throat> and I get it. Like I, I've, <clears throat> I've had accounts banned on Twitter for reporting them for doxing me based on like UK government records. It was a few months ago when we had that. Twitter person issue, and you know, and, and I get it, and I think it's valid. But that was literally like, here's the name and address, yeah, you know, and and like that was really obvious. But I think, you know, you sharing a photo with me, or you know, something like Elon's jet literally has the little radio tracker in, yeah, and it's yeah. already public information. Yeah. So it's hard to draw a line, but I feel like, but you, we're you not can, getting a current line right. I can see why people jumped on his bandwagon, or rather. What's the right word? Jumped on the bandwagon, bandwagon. the, the anti-Elon bandwagon for okay. banning the guy. So anyway, then we've got this one, which is, again, what's Yeah, I agree so blocking that was stupid. Also. This was about a day and a half ago. He puts out a poll. Unsuspended accounts who docked my exact location in real time. I'll rephrase that. I said it badly. Unsuspend accounts. So should he unsuspend accounts who docked my exact location in real time? Now, 59% of people said that he should unsuspend them now. 49, 41% said in seven days, which is kind of interesting because there's no option to say don't unsuspend. But anyway, to his credit, he then turned around and went, the people have spoken, accounts who docked my location will have their suspension lifted now. Now, but doesn't that admit the suspension was wrong? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, so like, yeah, uh, now you're like, well, whoops. <laughs> it, it does, but is that a bad thing? Like, is, is it a bad thing to say we, he tried something, he got it wrong, and there are other examples where he's put out polls and people... Well, I, I forget which one it was. But I mean, one. I think there's a way to come out and say, hey, I did this thing and it was wrong and I'm sorry. And I, and I don't think he's quite achieved that <laughs> level of, you know, kind of admitting wrongdoing. I think a lot of people feel that there's like a lack of sincerity. Uh, yeah, in, for sure. In the way he's communicating. Uh, look, I, I find it... And again, to, to go back to the point about extreme ends of the argument... Um, there is certainly an extreme end of the argument, which is that everyone should be able to say anything and the platforms are free and free speech. And, blah, blah, blah. and like, we, geez, free, like free speech doesn't apply to Twitter and Facebook, though, does it? Like, isn't ultimately fundamentally like a protection against the government censoring you and silencing you and stuff? Is it even really meant to apply to like Twitter? It, it always tends, I find, it tends to be presented in a very American context. You know, it's, but that's tech, isn't it? I think that's the, you know... It, it's a lot of tech. You know, for, for me as an Australian and you as an ex-European, as we sit here and, and watch... Can't let it's it not go, my so. fault. As we sit here and watch this, it feels like every time there's a debate about a platform, which, yes, is US in origin, headquarters, etc., but is a global tool, it seems to come back to, like, Republicans versus Democrats. Yeah. 
And it yeah. always seems to be very much as like, are you left wing or right wing or red or blue or, you know, uh, do you like like guns and God or abortion and, <coughs> and you know, freedom of sexuality? <laughs> it's like, and it, it's, it seems to be so consistently polarizing where you have to pick one or the other and you are defined by one or the other and you end up at these extreme ends. And look, when Trump got booted, uh, I was, I got to be honest, like there was a bit of me which was quite happy about that because I think the guy's batshit crazy. But, you know, this is... You're not going to America again. <laughs> not in government. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess in a little bit the same way as Elon Musk has obviously been able to achieve some amazing things. Like Trump, like rightly or wrongly, he has been able to as well. Like, he did manage to get himself elected democratically as far as we know. And there's a massive yeah. portion of the US, even though he didn't win the last election, despite assertions contrary, there's a massive portion of the country that aligns to his view of politics and kicking a world leader off, particularly when you look at some of the other stuff like that Iranian, I, oh, what's his name? Supreme leader, whoever, I don't know. The one who was like death to all the Jews and all this sort of stuff. And the tweet just stuck there. And everyone's like, how the hell can someone, anyone come out and say this, let alone like a world leader, like boot the guy. And they're like, no, 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 you know, he's a world leader. What he's got to say is important. He's like, seriously? No, not if that's what he's got to say, it's not. You know, but Trump got booted. So, there's a bit of me which was happy to see him get booted because it's like, you know, crazy stuff, whether or not it was inciting violence or not, at least very, very close to yeah, it. And so, some yeah. people certainly interpret it that way. But then you look at it and go, well, that's, that's probably not a positive place to be where you, you take one really significant portion of the population and you silence their voice, even though many of us don't like the voice. And, and this, I think, is sort of the, the debate which is defining this, this Musk uh, control now. I think the other, like, to tack on to that, I think the other big issue is that people, or at least kind of like from what I've observed, people seem to think that freedom of speech also means freedom from consequence. And I think that's what gets most people is, yeah. you know, like, they, it's like, you know, it's like those two things go together, right? Like, you know, you have the right to say whatever you want, but, like, you can't detach the consequences from it. But even if we think about the gap situation, so when it was... Uh where were we? Was it early last year or the year before? Sometime during, let's just say sometime during COVID. <laughs> and, uh, and Trump and, and many others, it must have been early 2020 because it was just after the election. Trump and many others got booted off, off the platform. No, it was sorry, it would have been early last year because the election was late 2020, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Got booted off the platform, a bunch of went to Gab. And Gab was like, free speech. She's like, Everyone gets to say whatever they want. It's like, except for these things. <laughs> there is always something you can say that will get you booted. Uh, and if, if you want to think of what those are, you'll use your imagination. There's a point at which it's just, it, it is, it is, what's the right word? I was going to say outright illegal. Um, certainly some of the things that people might share uh, would be. Yeah. Outright immoral, then that's a very subjective Super subjective definition, yeah. isn't it? Anyway, the point is all of these platforms do have standards where at some point in time they'll boot you off for some reason. You cannot just say whatever you want. Now, according to Elon, uh, he reckons Twitter's going great, which you expect someone who owns a company <laughs> like, to say. He not say anything else, is he? No, but it, it is interesting when you, um, when you read some of these, these tweets where he says, uh, meanwhile, Twitter usage by real humans once again reaches all-time highs. Which is curious because you would imagine mm. that there is an empirical measure for that, unless the real yeah, human sure. caveat is the carve out. But I also think like that's probably part of the intention of the controversy, right? Because controversy always drives engagement, mm. and I think mm. there's a very well. I'm here reading these tweets, so <laughs> I think there's a very intentional play there to 
create controversy to drive engagement. It's definitely something to be said for that. And uh, I'm looking at the comments just here. Um, uh, Mike says, put your vanity hats on and take off the engineering hats. Um, not sure if that was a Twitter thing or a, or a cookie thing. <laughs> this is definitely a, a Musk thing. Christian says he is so rich that he could have a couple more private jets flying around and no one would know where he is. But then he gets shit for the environment, right? It'd be like, <laughs> you're flying like phantom jets around and destroying the environment just so people can't track where you go, which is interesting. Mike mm. says, no mention of information campaigns run by actors geared towards making those events happen that are also run on these platforms. Um, Is that the election, maybe? Yeah, it could be election related. So. I mean, we saw Cambridge Analytica and similar, you know, um, how do we refer to those events with elsewhere, <laughs> like cluster bombs? I'll tell you what, what is an interesting read, like love Musk, hate Musk, whatever. Uh, there's been these series of tweets that have been coined the Twitter files, right? Have you read any of these? No, actually. Uh, they're they're worth I, reading. I, yeah, so, I look, there's, there's a few different journos, uh, and, of course, people are discrediting one or more of them uh, to the fullest extent they can. But basically, now that he has control of the company and he has access to all this internal information, there are these Twitter threads about you know, things that have actually gone in, uh, on inside the company. The one today was around uh, FBI access and FBI influence over particularly things that, that might be uh, politically charged. Uh, some of the previous ones have been around the efforts gone to to try and censor uh, political views not consistent with a largely left-leaning employee population. Now, it it smells feasible. <laughs> it <laughs> okay. smells feasible. I think what he's tried to do here is get independent journalists or, or at least seemingly independent journalists with credibility to go through and create these, these files, as they're called. But there's a lot of discussion in there around... Uh, yeah, everything from it. If you look at, at what side of politics the vast majority of donations from people working inside the organisation went to, it's, it's look at Silicon Valley. We know which way they're going to lead. Yeah. But it, it looks like there were extreme lengths gone to to try and, and effectively silence one, one side of politics. And, and I think that that's a very feasible uh, explanation for what has gone on. And it's, it's, it's not a good look, uh, particularly in a modern Western democracy. It's just wild though, isn't it? Like the power that these platforms have and, you know, the ability to impact things like that? And is there even a solution? Well, like a, he, he reckons there is. Like a good one. It's, it's extraordinarily hard, isn't it? Uh, I, I don't think the right solution is one where you have such a, a singularity in the alignment of the political allegiances of one organisation that then has such a megaphone of the world. Yeah. Anyway, on the less controversial things, data breaches. <laughs> Last thing this week, and then we're going to go off and find some more beer. I need to make tea. So, two, uh, two data breaches. Going to have them in front of the last week, which uh, I think are a little bit interesting, and I'm going to pin you with these as well. So, one of them was Cointracker. Now, Cointracker is uh, crypto-related, so I think Cointracker was... What do they do? The name pretty much says it. What do they do, Cointracker? Uh, data, Just like price indexes? Data breach or... net, uh, something akin to that. There's a story here on databreaches.net where they have shared the disclosure notice. Um, on December 1st, 2020, we discovered a leaked list of emails and referral links of coin tracker users online. Uh, what happened? The breach was part of a larger data breach or a larger data compromise that affected one of our service providers. Now, this is why I think this one and the next one I'm going to talk about are kind of interesting. So constantly, and you can see the term here, one of our service providers. So they're saying... We have shoulders. We have a service <laughs> provider. Actually, explain what you meant by that, because this is going to be pivotal. Well, so slow piece, like maybe yeah, it's an English term. So it just means 
um, like, you know, something lands on your shoulders and it's like, and it just falls onto the next person below you, right? It's just like you shirk well, responsibility and, and just pass it down the chain. Let's imagine that they are using a third party service provider. A third party service provider had a compromise. <coughs> and when you hear who I think it is, because I, I can only speculate, because okay. <laughs> they don't tell you. And this is one of the things I find interesting. So you've got the situation here. If I look at the Have I Been Pwned um, tweet here, 1.5 million customers, 71% of them already in Have I Been Pwned. It exposed email addresses and partially redacted phone numbers. So imagine a phone number in typical US format because I had the dashes in there. Yeah. And there's like one segment with three digits. You've got X's. Yes. So it's you could, with a reasonable degree of confidence. It's not the first one. It's like the area code is here. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's somewhere in the middle. So you could, with a reasonably high degree of confidence, match it to an existing number and say this yeah. is the same person, but you wouldn't have that exactly. Now, I loaded that. <laughs> and I sent uh, I sent a lot of emails because it turns out a lot of coin tracker customers are have I been pwned subscribers. Now, just as a, a general rule of thumb, so have I been pwned? It's, it's approaching five million subscribers now. Uh, I find up to about one percent of subscribers are in a data breach. Uh, I'll rephrase that: up to one percent of people in a data breach are have I been pwned subscribers. Okay. So with 1.5 million customers, if that were true, you'd have about uh, 15,000 yep. people. Now, they're about, I think it was about 35,000 something. So it's actually really, really high. Significantly, yeah. Now, the, the only thing I can make of this is that it's the crypto space. They're probably more uh, more security aware, privacy aware, whatever, and they, they like have a big pain, which is good. So I sent a lot of emails. And, uh, and then I got an email from their PR department. <laughs> From coin trackers? Yeah. I haven't oh, boy. <laughs> it wasn't their PR, like it was their PR company. Or and they're were, they were actually cool about it, but I'll tell you what they said because I don't think it's a secret. So two things. They said, um, number one, coin tracker didn't have a data breach. They said, <laughs> uh, it was a service provider. Now, now I'm paraphrasing here. I, I, won't, uh, I will acknowledge that this is not the exact wording they used. It was uh, a compromise <clears throat> of a third-party provider. Uh, and in my response, I sort of said, well, I did literally say in the description, the country, the company attributed the breach to a compromise of one of their service providers. So yep, it's clear. But the other thing they said, which is kind of interesting, is they said uh, CoinTracker does not store phone numbers or did not have the phone numbers or the partially redacted phone numbers. Again, I can't remember the exact term, but they took Humbridge, Humbridge, Humbridge yep. with that term. So I emailed them back because I always reply to these things. I said, okay, you know, that's, that, that's fine. Um, can you tell us who the service provider was and I'll update the description? You know, get, just give more information. Also, where do you think the numbers came from? Yeah, I was going to say, like, we, we never had them. It's like, well, someone did. And this is circulating on a very popular hacking forum. It's like in mass, mass, mass circulation. So it's all over the place. Uh, where do you think the numbers came from? The, um, I'm still waiting a reply. This was a couple of days ago now. So... I have a speculation about this, which I'm going to come back to. I'm going to tell you about the other one first because I think these two things are related. So the other one was Gemini, which is a crypto exchange. Okay. So I'm just going to read the breach description of how I've been pwned. This week, Gemini Crypto Exchange attributed customer data circulating hacking circles, why don't I say circles twice, to, quote, an incident at a third-party vendor, 5.3 million unique email addresses and partial phone numbers were exposed, 63% already have been pwned. I sent, I think, about 68,000 emails. So pro rata, much less, but still double. Yeah. (laughs) Now, they also attributed this to a third-party provider, and it was the same stuff. It was email addresses in the same parts of the Oh, okay. Now, they also, 
to me, it was very explicit that they didn't name the third-party service provider. Now, a bit of Googling around, because I had a gut feel about this already, but remember SendGrid had an issue a few months yes. ago. Because if I Google now, like SendGrid data breach. Now, to be clear too, like I use SendGrid for Have I Been Punked? Yeah, so do I. <laughs> for report your own. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. uh, and actually, CoinTracker, CoinTracker here does update on the SendGrid data breach, which, oh, you know, this was three days ago. Is this when I loaded the data to Have I Been Pwned? Ooh. Update on the SendGrid data breach, which impacted, okay, well, I was right. Um, yeah, interesting. I have a feeling December 14, does that align to December 12th? <laughs> so, so two days later. So two days after this went into Have I Been Pwned, I sent with domain notifications as well, over 40,000 emails. Cointracker has put out an update and they have said SendGrid, which would actually be around about the time I sent them an email and questioned them. And I, I did actually say to them, I said, was well, this related to SendGrid slash Twilio, who now owns SendGrid? So what appears to have happened there is uh, SendGrid was targeted because SendGrid obviously has a bunch of email addresses. Yeah. Now, this did get me send, uh, thinking rather, and maybe something to think about Report URI. How long do they retain the email addresses for when you send an email? I wouldn't know off the top of my head. That would be a... No, I don't either. And I've got to look at it. Data privacy policy question, wouldn't it? But it does raise an interesting question because I was like, there but for the grace of God goes, have I been pwned? <laughs> because... They're all in there. <laughs> they're all in there. So I think actually... Uh, but they definitely must store them because every now and again, if we're yep. having like two yep. FA And you go and look at the activity yeah, log, yeah. And yeah. you can just punch the email in and see all the emails. I wonder how far back that goes. Mm. That's a good question. Okay. So we have a privacy person, I'll ask him. <laughs> I believe it's the same issue for both. Um, and now they've said it explicitly. Seriously, like two days ago, just before, I can't remember, we were here in the cabin, must be about two days ago. When I was emailing Cointracker, I was literally like, yeah, can you tell me who it is? Because <laughs> if you can tell me who it is, then I can update the description and we can explain yeah. what the issue was. So they've updated it, they just haven't emailed me back. So I'll wait for that email, I'm sure. And it's fine to say like it wasn't them, it was a third party vendor, but there's, there's a right way of going around it where it's, it doesn't sound yeah. like you're trying to shirk responsibility. No, and it, it got me thinking, I was literally thinking about this when I was in the shower just before doing this. I was like, you need to shower differently. Oh, mate. I, I have a lot of I was just there thinking the about shower. data breaches, washing my hair. Oh, nice. I don't know. You know what it is? I'm not in there with my phone. So, yeah, the water's running over you. You're relaxed. Do you have it like on the other side of the glass? With the nah, I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know. It's my happy place. Um, so, anyway, uh, I think that they should have named SendGrid earlier on. They have obviously now. If they reply, then update it. Mm. I'm just waiting to get my Gemini email from their PR Do you think there's like a legal repercussion concern? That's what I wondered. But surely, I mean, I know people at SendGrid and Twilio, and I'm, I think you probably do too. Uh, everyone seems really nice, but then again, it's not the lawyers I know. So. <laughs> yeah, but like, I was just going to say, but they're not the people that we know, are they? Like, that's just the hardworking, good tech people. I know. Okay, hey, look, we've been going for a long time, so we should wrap that up. Let's do it. Uh, I know the audio has been crap. If you missed the start, go back to the start and you, you'll know why. <laughs> but we're basically just talking to the iPhone strapped to a light pole with two hair ties from different people. Uh, I just noticed a focus going in there too. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to go fix the fire. We've got to go yeah. have some dinner. So Let's do it. Thanks very much. I'll see you from Singapore where I'll be warm and happy uh, next week. <laughs> see ya. Cheers.